Talking about what's new with Los Angeles Clippers There's always so much to discuss Let's jump right in It's LA Clips Forum It's LA Clips Forum With Jesse and Brian Welcome to the LA Clips Forum My name is Brian Andrew I'm here with my sweet cheese, Jesse Sandoval How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good I uh, was not expecting that kind of intro I told and, you like two weeks ago that I'm going to have a different variation of the what we do in the shadows meme to introduce you. Was, uh, what's the line go? My, my, my... I, don't, I don't have it down. I had it written down. When I know there's a good time when, boy. There's a good time boy. There's Rotten Soldier. And then there's Sweet, sweet Cheese. I know, the, I know that for sure. My it's pal. so good. Uh, we have a guest today from the alternates. Clayton Stevens, how you doing? I'm good. Should I do my mess, my best uh, Matt Berry impression? Hello, everyone. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You need to drop my pen, man. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for those at home don't know, do you want to tell them what the alternance is? Sure. It's a uh, basketball show uh, that comes out on YouTube and also in podcast form with me and uh, Brian Cullen. Uh, I think a lot of Clippers fans are probably familiar with, uh, but we cover the entire NBA and um, we kind of do it from the perspective of two guys that, you know, grew up in punk and hardcore and sort of the this different world that we liked basketball, but we weren't around a lot of people who liked basketball as younger kids, you know, and it was like sort of a, a you know, jocks versus punks or whatever bullshit people want to talk about um oh can i cuss it should i no no you're fine fine. (laughs) okay okay cool um so yeah so that that, that's kind of the perspective that we come from and we try and bring a fun element to it and just kind of talk about the whole league and and everything going on and uh, we play a bunch of games play some fantasy basketball games get into the the lighter side of the entire nba i would say um and brian does a really good job doing like video and all kinds of stuff with it. So uh, I'm I'm really stoked to be doing it with him. And this will be our first full season. We came in, uh, God, I think it was February last season. So um, yeah, it'll it'll be good to start the season fresh this year. But uh, yeah, that that's what we're doing over there. So to you know break the fourth wall, well, you know pull the curtain a little bit. Yeah, me and you were having a conversation leading up to this podcast, and I'm not going to give everyone your email because that that's a privacy thing. But we were having a conversation. I was like, all right, so give me your email to send a link. And you sent me an email. And I was like, mm-hmm. I thought you were trolling me. And then you sent me the Wikipedia of the album you're referencing in your email. And I felt yeah. like that was the most alternate thing. I've, I I feel like, you know, I don't have to listen to the podcast. It, it the even has experience. multiple. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll go off camera about it. But it's got even more meaning oh. than that. Um, but that, that's uh, something to be put on to. And uh, uh, I, I could say... Uh, we were talking about a Rolling Stones reference, some some weirder Rolling Stones too, not your uh, not your typical Rolling Stones. So, all right. Um, so you're a Clippers fan, big time. Yeah, grew up a Clippers fan. Um, been a clip. I mean, I, I always loved basketball. You know, I was a Michael Jordan fan as a kid, kind of mm-hmm. like everybody of of my age group. Um, and then in the early 2000s, really latched on to the the knucklehead clippers and then sort of the really the post knucklehead clippers obviously uh they became a much better team and then i've just kind of been an insane fanatic <laughs> right. ever since that time 
do you on the alternates ever get to the point where like man i really want to talk about the clippers but we're talking about robin lopez instead do you ever get to like that frustrating um, when you're recording i i think so i'm more willing to talk about the clippers i think brian talks about the clippers so much already and he covers right. the team and he, he does that so he definitely tries to stay away from them but i'm like people you know people still want to talk about them they're and not only because we know a lot about them but they're a contending team with interesting players and interesting storylines and a uh, a fascinating team to talk about regardless of our fandom for them so i try i try and pull it back to the clippers more but i mm-hmm. uh, there are times for sure but you know what i actually have a greater appreciation for the league um overall having to really sit every night and try and digest what's happening all over as opposed to just you know maybe even more of a western conference lens um yeah. i, I noticed that 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 tends to happen even more than like yeah, I only follow my team. Well, it's like, well, you follow your team and the division that your team is in and the teams that you see the most. Um, it's harder when you're a you know, West Coast guy to keep keep track of what's going on with the Hornets and the Pacers and, and these teams that get a little less coverage out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I, I, I think we try really hard to stick to those fan bases too. And because I just think that those teams don't get covered a lot. Um, and the Clippers usually get covered for more, um, let's say drama reasons or you know things like that that's typically why the clippers get covered and i think we try and bring it back to more basketball and and their personalities and stuff like that absolutely so you you referenced that you kind of got into the clippers maybe around the knucklehead thing because like for example i look at it like this like the clippers are pro-choice because we choose to be clippers fans whereas (laughs) you could slip on a banana pill or something and and fall into a laker jersey growing up in the los angeles area right Yeah, yeah so what made you choose the Clippers and and it looks like it's a knucklehead area when you chose to be the Clippers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite color combo and Jersey of all time? This is easy for me. Um, Red cursive. Okay. Number one, best Clippers Jersey, in my opinion. Um, And then I do really like the Mr. Cartoon. Um, I think that that's one of the best ones that, that they've done. And I really loved the, 80s olympic shay shay gilgis alexander rookie season um you guys remember the i think they were the city jerseys or whatever for that the, season the, like yeah. the olympic ones yeah the, yeah I, I i thought that was one of their best um but i gotta go red cursive that's that's yeah. top notch right there that's, that's fine line. Yeah. what was the other question you asked did you say something else besides uh color combo but i think you you, oh, you yeah. said red yeah i so. mean I, I i'm kind of pro the team i don't mind the team going um towards the black and white sort of look um it seems like that that's been let's say they've been moving in that direction and it feels like they're eventually going to land on that i don't love that approach um i wish they would just do something overnight and stick to it yeah. I think you got to just rip the bandaid off, but they've clearly gone a different approach. And I think the um, having a newer owner, um, having someone who's willing to build an arena and stuff like that, he's just looking more long term. So I think it comes more from the top down of why that that's happened, that we haven't had a full rebrand um, really since Balmer took over. I mean, I know there was the, the slight rebrand, but um I'm okay with the black and white. I just want them to commit to something. And even like last season, I loved the blue and orange city edition, right? Everybody loved those, the San Diego throwback. 
um, with the little bit of the newer stuff in it. But then when they played on the court, the court didn't match the jerseys. And and that type of stuff bothers me. I know (laughs) I've heard from some people that there was actually a lot of politics with that and that they did try and get a court to match, but they couldn't do it and blah, blah, blah. So I think once they get their own arena, a lot of these um, issues that date back before the Steve Ballmer era will be fixed by having our own arena, our own identity, you know, that they can go to. And, you know, in Steve Ballmer's mind, this is a, you know, 50 year vision. This 10 years is is a blink of an eye. So I think from the fan perspective, more it's just like us, we want what we want and we want their merch to look better because it doesn't. Um, They have some of the worst branding in the NBA, but that's okay. Uh, I was going to ask, is there a, is there a color preference you want to see? Like if we were to do rebrand and while we're kind of talking about the, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind the blue and orange. I think that's kind of sick and a a little unique. I mean, a little OKC ish, I guess. Um, again, I don't mind black and white. Um, just stick to it. Or I know, I think we've been all seeing those mock-ups that people have been putting online of the cursive throwbacks. I mean, I feel like everybody just wants that. If you just Mm. did red cursive throwbacks, everyone would go crazy i i personally feel with balmer and or this new regime of clippers ownership it's one of those things where steve balmer will listen to the fans on basically everything except for going back to a donald sterling jersey and i think that's that's where it's at where he's like yeah i get it because i think if you were to if there was a poll where it said all right because i think we put one up actually ourselves and we're like what's your favorite clippers combination and stuff like that and uh, the blue and orange were up there, but like the red, the original red was number one, I believe. Yeah. Or, or if it was not number one, it was like number two. And I think like for whatever reason, he's just like, you know what? No. And I get it. You want to move on from that. But at the same time, I think uh, for Clipper fans, it, it's not about Donald Sterling or anything like that. We were just Clipper fans. Some of us didn't even know Donald Sterling was the owner until we, we got much older, you know? So <laughs> sure, it's, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where it's, it's like we didn't or we didn't realize how bad he was till we got much older and so like we were just clipper fans and i think we want to go back to just being clipper like it was, it's about the clippers and not the owners to a lot right, of right exactly totally and i think it's like you know you have your the shitty uncle in your family or something like that like it doesn't you yes you want to disassociate yourself from that person but it doesn't mean that you're you know not proud to be who you are or where where you came from or whatever so but I get it from Bomber's perspective, and I'm just really excited about Intuit Dome and what opportunities that brings for the team to to grow. Because I think I think that it can't be overstated how much the the sort of, not only were they the little brothers going into Staples Center, it's like now they can't outgrow it because they're just part of this other system that's already in place in a way. It's like, they are the little brother team in a way, just because they are the third tenant. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get the worst games. They're going to get all the stuff. It's like, you kind of have to tear it down and start anew. And that's really the only way it's going to grow past a certain point. I think, I think Blake and that era brought the Clippers to where they are now and we've kept a lot of fans um but to grow to that next level i I think that the dome and and all that's going to come with it is going to be a gigantic step for this franchise so you so you think the moving into the into a dome having our own stadium 
kind of removes us from being seen as a little brother in LA or? I think eventually it will. I think eventually it will. Yeah. I mean, this is something that's going to take a long time, but um, I think having their own identity, you know, like we look to, you know, I I talk about in the alternates all the time. I'm a gigantic baseball fan, you know, um, the Cubs and the White Sox. Yes, the Cubs are the more popular team in Chicago, but nobody thinks of the White Sox as the little brothers to the Cubs. They're the team on the other side of town. Um, if you're from that side of town, you root from them and they have a gigantic fan base and they've had plenty of success. In fact, probably more success than the Cubs have had in the last hundred years. So I don't see why the Clippers can't be the White Sox of Los Angeles. You know, um, I think that should be the goal. It's not necessarily to turn the entire city one way or the other. It's we live in the biggest, most populated, you know, what yeah. I think second most populated city in the country. We can have two teams plenty fine that shouldn't be looked at as like little brothers or, you know, the lesser team. And now that the team spends at the correct level for the market, they are able to get stars to come and want to play for them. Now they're going to have their own arena. You know, it's, it's slowly building that way. I think to be like, you can't really look at them as the little brothers anymore. There's just this leftover stuff that is a long history of that their place in the league really. And I think, and I think like looking back at it too, like, the Clippers were always really bad. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, they played that, a huge role. Yeah. So like, so when you look at the schedules and stuff like that, it made sense why we want to get certain games. I think it, it didn't hit a lot of Clipper fans and probably a lot of Clipper people until we were actually the best team in LA for almost a decade, and we were still getting the worst time slot in the in the Staples Center. And yeah. we're like, why is that the case? And then it's like, well, we're the third tenants. And a lot of fans were, were like, oh. And then Steve Ballmer didn't know that until he actually became owner of the team he's like oh is that why i'm going to a noon game instead of us getting the 7 30 <laughs> slot on a sunday so yep. I, I i do think you like you said it's going to change a lot and like yeah we could become the white Sox. Uh, i think the white Sox and the cubs do benefit from being in different uh leagues mm-hmm. you know like you could kind of like you know you don't play yeah, that's, you don't, that's very true you know but uh starting next year in baseball they're gonna everyone's gonna play everybody <laughs> so so it yeah it's, it it's it's not gonna matter anymore um and, and basketball is trending that way too you know yeah. um you know there's less and less division games more and more trying to get all the premier teams on national tv and they'll they'll mess with the schedule to do that stuff they're not as um you know five ten years ago it was very like you play the lakers four times in this amount of time and it's unmovable yeah. and now they've seemed to move away from that and you know they want every team to play each other all the marquee teams to uh get a shot out there and the clippers have a lot of uh a lot of national tv games this year so yeah. and it, right rightfully so yeah uh which is a good transition to the trade i think that shook the trade all <laughs> aspects of the crypto.com arena this year yeah yeah <laughs> that was so Patrick Beverly got traded from the Jazz to the Lakers for THT and Stanley Johnson. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Stanley Johnson, but he might be the starting forward on the Jazz next year. So, you know, I guess congratulations for that. Yeah. Uh, what are me? I'm, I'm sure me and Jesse have uh, some fun takes on this. Uh, what, are, what are your takes, Clayton? Okay. First of all, let's start off. 
I understand why Clippers fans are distraught over the situation. You know, he became a, a cult hero uh, for Clipper Nation, no doubt about it. And I love Patrick Beverly. And rightfully so, I think a lot of the fans look at this trade and go, he makes them better. He's a really good player. Um, my first thought when I'm talking about from the opposite side, though, is first of all, Patrick Beverly hasn't played over like 50 games in God knows how long. I mean, the guy just gets injured. It's part of the player that he has been. It's the reason I think he never got a long-term deal. And a lot of teams like the Clippers and now the Wolves were willing to give him these one, two-year extensions. Um, you know, hey, we'll give you 17 million, but we don't really know if you're going to stay healthy, blah, blah, blah. So that comes to mind from a basketball perspective, from the fan perspective, just embrace it. Patrick Beverly, his, what he is, is a villain. We rooted for the villain for a while and it was fun and it was a great ride. And Timberwolves fans rode that ride and they loved it. And now Lakers fans are going to, and it's fun to root against the Lakers. It's fun to root against Patrick Beverly. I'm actually excited about it. I can't wait to see him, you know, wide open in the corner and root for him to miss that shot because <laughs> he misses plenty of them too. Like he's a good three point shooter. He's a good, this is good, but there's a reason that he is the player that he is. He's a role player, but it's going to add more drama to the Lakers season. It's, you know, I, I mean, the Russell Westbrook of it all obviously can't be overstated. It's unbelievable that those two guys are theoretically going to play together. And I said this on, uh, on our show, um, how long is it going to take for Lakers fans to realize that he's a better fit as the starting point guard on this team? And, you know, questions every night in the locker room about, you know, when is Patrick Beverly going to be the starter? What, you know, will Russ go to the bench? He's not going to go to the bench. Russ will never go to the bench. Not this year. That's for damn sure. So it's going to be an issue. I don't think it really hurts the Clippers that bad. And like I said, I'm kind of excited to root against Patrick Beverly because that's what he wants. That's right. the Patrick Beverly experience is like, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to say fuck that guy for once and uh, root against him. And our roster is so good. It doesn't need him. Um, you know, I love the guy forever. He's, he's a clipper for life, but I'm not as worried, I think, as many fans are about the, uh, the situation of him playing across the hall. What about you guys? You go first, Jesse. You know, first off, fuck basketball. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> See? Feels good. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, that's how I felt when um after the play in tournament. After the play in when they eliminated well not didn't eliminate us, but uh when he went on the on the board basically saying fuck clippers, you know, like I don't know, that cemented like hey, this guy's no longer like a clipper to me. Like mm-hmm. this guy's done, he's not wearing the jersey anymore, I gotta get over it. And then when he became a Laker. And that just further pushed me away from him. I enjoyed what he did with the Clippers. Uh, he gave everyone in Clipper Nation a little taste of what it is to have Draymond Green on your team. Someone that gets on your gets on their player skin. Uh, I loved him whenever he, we played against the Lakers because he knew how much that game meant to fans. Right? He talked so much, shit and I appreciate it so much. When he like fouled Lonzo Ball really hard, I was like, "That's my guy." Now he's on the Lakers. Fuck that guy. So <laughs> yeah. it, it goes into like this legacy thing, 
I feel like because we like to look at certain play- and the funny thing is like the one person I could compare this to is probably like Lamar Odom, right? Because he played for the Lakers too, and he was a high profile player as well. Yeah. But I didn't necessarily hate Lamar when he went to the Lakers, but I think it's because I realized being on the Clippers was worse. <laughs> but this time around, I guess what where it came where it comes to me is this reminds me more of like the Trez situation is mm. Trez was very upset with the Clippers at the end of his little run. And then he signed with the Lakers. And my take on it was I felt like he could have made more money anywhere else in the NBA, but I think he chose the Lakers. I think, oh, I think that's undeniable. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not saying Pat Bev necessarily chose the Lakers, but I do feel like he was he planted the seeds or the seeds were planted for him to eventually get to the Lakers because he was very vocal about wanting to play with LeBron and et cetera, et cetera. So now he's on the Lakers. And I'll be honest, Trez's decision to go sign with the Lakers planted a very negative uh thought in my head about how I feel about the guy because I really liked Trez when he was on the Clippers and I, I have that fit same like negative feeling with Pat Bev it's because in like a four month span he went like weak ass Clippers off the Clippers to now being on the Lakers in like four months and it's like all right well you know like I appreciate you being a culture setter for this team but you know what like it's I'm cool moving on dude like we, we didn't extend you because you can't stay healthy like you can't guard Luca, and then we appreciate you guarding donovan mitchell and devin booker but you think you, th- you thought you're gonna get an extension for that like you can't even play for more than 30 games so so it was like i when he yeah. when he got traded for eric bledsoe i love the trade everyone was like heartbroken that we lost a culture person but it's fine and i felt like eric bledsoe was a better fit and then we eventually flipped eric bledsoe for norman powell and eric and rocco so we basically tra- traded patrick beverly for Norman Powell and Rocco, if we look at it from like a year and a half. And I do that trade all day, every day. No question. Even if it, even if you told me, you know, what happened, what happened, you're basically going to have to take a year off. Um, You know, your whole roster isn't going to come back, but you're going to be able to flip Justice Winslow, who had a guarantee this year, by the way, Yeah. Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe and, you know, probably the person that they were lowest on that they drafted uh, into Norm Powell and Rocco is kind of insane. I mean, I don't know how they did it other than, you know, um, Powell seems to be one of these guys that occasionally happen in the league that, like we talked about a lot on the show with Jeremy Grant and his situation was that it seems like the NBA isn't as high on Jeremy Grant as fans of the nba who watch are like fans Mm -hmm. are like oh it's gonna take you know two first round picks and blah 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 to get jeremy grant he's really good and then when you look at what he actually ends up getting traded for you're like "Mm, i guess the league doesn't feel as strong about jeremy grant as we all do i think that was going on with norman powell Mm -hmm. because of his deal um but I think the league is wrong on both of those guys. I think Jeremy Grant's a difference maker, and I think Norman Powell's a huge difference maker, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I guess we'll just – we'll have to see it from, like, our, our stance on Norman Powell it comes across negatively on our podcast, but it's just, like, in terms of the rest of the Clippers, everybody else on this roster has done something for the Clippers except for Norman Powell at this point. And that, that's, I, that, but that's not his fault. But Can I then – can I get it. into what – so okay everyone talks about the depth of this team right and like who's gonna play and who's left out 
I like to look at basketball from the perspective of positions. And I know that it's a positionless league that we're going in, but coaches and when you watch teams, they play positions like the, it's a thought in the coach's head every day. Okay. Who's going to play shooting guard today? Who's the small forward on the other team? I just believe that that, especially in the regular season, we're talking about the playoffs, everything goes out the window. You know, you could, whatever the matchup is, doesn't matter. But I think for the regular season, you got to have a guy at every position and a backup for every guy at position. And then there's depth behind that, right? So here's my starting five and then five coming off the bench. And I'll say, first of all, John Wall and Reggie Jackson, I don't really give a I personally am putting John Wall in the starting position, but let's. it could be either way. So whoever it is, John Wall or Reggie Jackson, they would be the sixth man in this situation, okay? So point guard, John Wall, shooting guard, starting, I have Norman Powell. Third, shoot, small forward, I have Paul George. I have Kawhi playing the four and Evita Zubats playing the five. I know that that's not a popular starting five, but I don't understand why the fans are not in uh, agreement that you should play your best five players as much as possible. And to me, the best shooting guard on this team is Norman Powell by a mile. And the reason he's been miscast in at times Toronto, and especially when he was with the Blazers, was that he was playing small forward. He's not a small forward. He was playing off of Damon CJ, having to guard up you know, et cetera, playing out of position, really. When you put him to the bench, it puts him again, like now he's going back to the small forward position that I just don't think is best for him. So that's my starting five. Now coming off the bench, Reggie's the backup point guard or John Wall, who cares? Who's the next shooting guard? Luke Kennard. Everybody wants to bench Luke Kennard and take him out of the lineup. He's a shooting guard. I have... Luke Kennard playing the shooting guard, Terrence Mann at the three. Here's the hardest one. Nico or Marcus Morris at the four, and then Robert Covington at the five. So one of Nico or Marcus Morris is the odd man out, in my opinion, when you break down who plays what position, you know, et cetera. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but to me, that's the odd man out here. It's not Luke Kennard. It's not Norman Powell. It's not Terrence Mann. It's one of Batum or Morris. If I if I could add to that, I think the yeah. reason why it feels like Norman Powell is the odd man out is because you could possibly get more for him than you could out of all the other assets for the Clippers if you were to make a trade. I think that's why I feel like his name is always thrown out as the odd man out. I always think he, he's just thrown in automatically as he's the bench guy. He's going to be the six man. He's going to be like, isn't he one of their best five players? I would say arguably based on how much he's making and why we got him. He's probably, he he's yeah. probably the third best player on the team, at least offensively. Yeah. It, I just feel like on a team where they're, like you said, we are going positionless. Uh, well, the NBA is going positionless. Because I, I, I'm i with you. I, I know a lot of people are kind of against the idea, but I'm with you that a 6'7 Kawhi could play power forward because there's plenty of 6'7". Yeah, top. of course. He's, a, he's gigantic. And to be <laughs> honest, like most of the league is getting to the point where you don't have like a, a real power forward playing power forward. Like it is yeah. other wings. So you could look at it as 
the lineups are getting more to the point where you have two guards, two wings, and a center. And I'm with you on that. I'm actually, I actually prefer that if we are going to have Norman Powell on this team, that he is in the starting lineup. I'd prefer he's in the starting lineup more than he's on the bench. I've mentally accepted that he's probably going to be on the bench. That's why whenever I reference like what the team's going to look like, I'm always like, well, Norman Powell's going to go in and you know stuff like that. Uh, I personally feel like Reggie Jackson would be a perfect six man for this team. It's just, uh, but like you said, who, who cares who starts really? John Wall would be a good six man too. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no kidding. I like I like having Luke Kennard play more. I personally feel like between Morris and Batum, I think Batum's going to eventually become like the spot starter for when people get rest and not necessarily have a guaranteed amount of minutes every game. Batum is that guy you're saying? Yeah, did I say Morris? No, no, no. You did, oh, okay, you yeah, Batum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, his at his age um, and, and just the miles he had, I think, and, and where he's at in his career – I think he's going to be the one who's easiest to tell him you're the 11th man. Marcus Morris is going to be the ninth guy, Mm -hmm. eighth guy, however you want to look at it. Because to me, Covington, Mann, Kennard, Jackson, those four guys have to play. That's just my opinion. I mean, I I know maybe that that that's unrealistic, but I, I just, you know, and again, I look at it like you want to have at each position, not only do you want to stack these guys up to their position, it's because you want to give them an advantage. Now I understand playing Paul George at the two is quite, it's a, I mean, that's, you're playing a six, eight guy at a two guard. It's pretty crazy, Mm -hmm. but like, I just don't think it gives you that much of an advantage in the regular season to have those guys playing at the guard. I want those guys playing up and, you know, like, Again, like you're saying, Kawhi at the four, like he's going to destroy most power forwards, you know, um, in terms of skill, being able to go one on one versus those guys. And then the help off him is going to be for Paul George. So I, I just, I think a bigger lineup where it's not like Batum, Covington, Morris, like that's gigantic, obviously. But I think this one where you have Norman Powell at the two, who's, He's a good size two guard. You're not losing any size. And same with Wall or Reggie Jackson. Both of those guys are pretty freaking huge for ones. So yeah, it's not the biggest lineup they have, but it's kind of big, small ball at every position. And I think balances the roster better. The Obviously the biggest odd man out for fans, I think is Amir Coffee. But hmm. I could see Amir Coffee. These problems aren't going to be as big of a problem because... Paul George is going to sit out. Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out. John Wall is going to sit out. Nico Batum is going to sit out. Marcus Morris is going to sit out. I think all those guys are going to take time off this year. So it's not going to matter as much. And I actually think, to your point earlier, I actually think Amir Coffey is the guy who's going to get those spot starts. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like he was the guy that Ty Lu felt like, oh, if I want to just change nothing, but I have to insert somebody into the starting line, it always felt like it was kind of Amir Coffee. He's just yeah. the like plug and play. You put him in. He's not going to do too much either one way or the other. He's good at guarding. He can shoot a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. And then you leave Kennard, Man, Reggie, or Wall on the bench and let those guys 
continue the continuity that you hope that they build to have, you know, in theory, they have the best bench in the NBA. Yeah. Because I think that Reggie, Kennard, Mann, Batum, Covington, that's a that's a solid like 40 something win team, I think, on its own. Yeah. I yeah, I and the thing with Norman also, if he's not in the starting lineup, in my opinion, then it does create like a little much of a clogged situation on the bench in the guards in the guard spot. Because like you said, if we play Luke Kennard, then Norman plays a three. If you don't want that to be the case, then Norman plays and Luke doesn't. And then you have Terrence Mann. And then now we're looking at Luke not getting a lot of minutes. My prediction was that Luke Kennard would eventually just become like the guy who plays five to 10 minutes. And he's just, you know, he's in there to kind of get a spark, but he's not going to play a lot of minutes. But I like yours better where Luke Kennard actually has a defined role on the team. Yeah, I, li- I like him as just, you know, he's a straight up good shooting guard, in my opinion. You know, he was miscast. Again, a lot of these guys get miscast in situations because of just like the roster that they're on. So like Luke Kennard is in Detroit and he's pretty much asked to like have the ball in his hands and like yeah, try but... and shoot off the dribble and, and all that stuff, which we've now seen the best version of him is just like basically playing like JJ Redick, you know, yeah. pin down, let him go. Like the dude just can shoot the lights out of the ball. So um, and then, you know, whether it's Wall, Reggie, Wall or Reggie and then Luke and Terrence that's a lot of ball handling off the bench yeah you know because Terrence I think when we all agree like kind of it's like his first season he wasn't a very good point guard obviously then he turns into the small forward and that Mm -hmm. sort of becomes his role and then in the third season this season he kind of has to learn this hybrid role you're a small forward but sometimes you're going to be the point guard and I think this season is going to be the season where he really is able to put all that together because he gets to go back to his natural position, which is, you know, the two, three, somewhere in there. Yeah. And he's such a good rebounder for that position, such a smart player. And I love him roaming, but then the ability to now, I think fans and probably Ty Lu trust like, Hey, in a pinch, he can bring the ball up the court. He can run plays. You know, we're not worried about the ball being in his hands anymore. I, I, this would be a great se- uh, segue into our next segment, but I, we don't do that here. We have to go back to the Pat Beverly. <laughs> yeah, no, please. <laughs> uh, Jesse brought this up beforehand because I think like we have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love for the 1819 team. And like we were, people would say things like, you know, when we got a new arena, maybe, maybe there's a Lou will statue, or maybe if we brought in Lou will on a minimum and he could be part of this run. Cause we do think he, we think he deserves a championship and stuff like that. Has your, has your mindset changed about that team? Or is it just like, you know, that was fun, but like the real, the real team that we need to be focused on is their current team. And like, let's move on from the Lou wills, Patrick Beverly's and, possibly bringing Blake Griffins on minimums and stuff like that. Like, do we just need to officially move on and just be like, this is the, this is the squad. That's a great question because I think I feel a little bit of both ways about it. Um, for this season's outlook. Yeah. I, I give no shit about what, uh, unless those guys can help this team and, and there's a legitimate need for it, one of those guys. I, it, it doesn't play a role for me this season at all. Um, I don't care about 
the nostalgia of the team or whatever. I just want the team to do as good as possible, whatever that means, whoever they bring in, as long as it's for the team, I'm for it. But I do want to get away from the idea that, you know, um, successful seasons don't matter. I believe that those seasons really matter. And I think that they should be celebrated a lot more. And, you know, even winning, you know, Clippers haven't done this yet, but for instance, there's so much disrespect for the team that comes in second place. The team that wins their conference but doesn't win the finals. Do you know how fucking hard it is to win your conference? Yeah. It's we an know. incredible feat. Exactly. <laughs> the Clippers have never done it. It's an incredible feat. So every season where a team wins, you know, 48, 50 games, um, and they're competitive and they give you a good product to root for, I'm all for it. And the more that I watch the league, around the Clippers, these other teams and, and their rebuilding processes and stuff like that, the happier I am to brew for this team because I don't really, you know, my opinions have changed a lot on, on the tanking and I don't really think it's a good product. I don't like what OKC is doing, for instance. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that that team was there. I think that that team should be celebrated. I think when they move, you know, on the 10 year anniversary of that team, they should bring those guys back and, you know, thank all of them and, you know, remember that time. Um, but when it comes to the 2022 Clippers, it's the 2022 Clippers. I don't care about those guys who played for the team before. There's times when you should recognize those guys. When Patrick Beverly comes back, everyone should give him a round of applause and a, a standing ovation. He deserves it. Uh, uh, he, he got that on the Wolves. He's not going to get that. On the <laughs> he probably won't. He probably won't. But when he comes <laughs> back, when he comes back, when he's retired, um, you know, uh, I, I'm all for it. I, I, I don't think there should be a Pat Bev statue. I don't think there should be a Lou Will statue. But um, I'm all for the team recognizing those guys and, and their contributions to the team and keeping the team competitive at a really important time for the franchise. Like, I think it means a lot and more teams should do what the Clippers are doing. Try and win. Always try and win. Good things happen if you try and win. Yeah, we haven't made it all the way yet, but it's a much better product to root for than watching, say, Houston or OKC these last couple of years where you're just the hope is false because even once you get those guys, you still have to build a team around them and you're left with the scrap heaps of nothing. So, you know, say OKC gets, you know, um, Victor Wembenyama yes year, next year. Fantastic. Okay. Well, the team around them sucks. So okay. now you got to build a whole roster and that's going to take a couple of years. So your three-year rebuild turns into your five-year rebuild, your five-year rebuild turns into an eight-year rebuild. And now those guys are at the end of their deals. And, and they don't stay. Yeah. It's it always comes back to the same thing. So you might as well spend the money, go out, get good players, bring in good role models for your team, keep the winning train going. Guys are going to be attracted to winning. Um, so I'm really thankful to those guys. But unless they can help, but you know, unless you know Reggie Jackson goes out for the season, and Lou Williams is available on a minimum, go grab him. You know, I'm all for that. Sure, if he's got some left in the tank, but. If there's a guy in the G League who's got a little more upside and he's 25 years old and, you know, they might be able to lock him down long term, maybe you should go for that guy instead. You know, I'm not going to be too precious about that era. Um, there will be a time to recognize Blake Griffin, though. There will be a time to recognize right. Blake Griffin. I think above all, 
he's the one who um, should be recognized further than anybody else who played for the Clippers, including Chris Paul or anybody else. Blake Griffin yeah, absolutely. should be the first. We don't have a number retired, right? That, that, no, we don't. But that was your nice way of saying Chris Paul's a piece of shit. So when you think of great players, you think of, you know, Patrick Ewing, you think of the Knicks. Yeah. Chris Paul is a man without a home. He is a man without a team. He will not be remembered for being on one specific team. People will go, oh, remember those great Charlotte years? Remember those, or, you know, New Orleans? Remember those great LA years? Remember those great Houston years? That one great year in OKC, the great years in Arizona? No one will ever be like, he's the greatest blank ever. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. that's the way his career has gone. Whereas like Blake Griffin, I mean, come on that's our yeah that's our child that is the first mm-hmm. born he is the messiah for the clippers in my opinion like he is the one we need to like it's going to take some time still still going to take a few more years once he's retired and long gone and the 20 maybe 2025 you know nice 10 year lob city reunion will be fun all that stuff but um yeah that's kind of where it ends for me it ends with yeah. blake like he might not get a statue. It depends on like what we do with yeah. this current team. But he'll he'll if we're doing like numbers across like the the like the little bowl and the little ring in the arena and we have numbers, Blake should certainly get one. Uh I agree. I'm not sure uh, about the statue, but I agree. Number thirty two should be up there in the rafters for sure. Uh because like the way I look at it is I appreciate that team for giving us something to root for when there was not much to root for at that point. Like they, mm-hmm. they could, they, they could have just like, and every time we got someone decent, they basically just traded them away. Right. We got Tobias Harris in the Blake deal. We traded him away. And every time we trade someone away, I was like, Oh my, like, can we just, can we just keep somebody, you know? Cause I was still in that, uh, that mode where I was like, I don't, I don't even know if the Clippers could get anybody else. Like the lob city might be the best we could. We, we had you know and i was very hesitant to let go of that because that was our first legit playoff contention team like we've had teams in the playoffs but we've never had teams in the like like actually contending every year and in, in the discussion every year so i was very hesitant to let that go and then we were able to get paul george and Kawhi, and then like i was like oh, okay you know it's gonna be cool because we still have trez we still have we still have you know Pat bad we still have Lou Will and all that and then eventually we got rid of them <laughs> and I appreciate that team and it was a very fun team but I also think the Clippers franchise is actually going into a direction where we could start appreciating the winning teams a little bit more than just the fun teams we had we 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 as a Clippers franchise grew up on the fun teams but now we can start looking at like the actual winning teams and just be like, no, these are the teams that like are really the the faces of our franchise in terms of years and standings and seasons and stuff like that. Um, Jesse. No, I'm just thinking about, I'm relating it to similar to uh, I'm a Falcons fan. Right. So uh, we had our Super Bowl era. We had a stacked offensive team and it was great. It was fun. I enjoy that. And then kind of now we're in a rebuild mode and I'm appreciating the the drafts that we picked and like preseason getting a little excited about those. So I can relate because I didn't really follow the Clippers during a knucklehead. Like I came in Lob City. I'm mm-hmm. a bandwagon. I, I won't lie. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did it for. There was nothing to root for before. So don't yeah. worry. Yeah. So 
And keep in mind, after Knuckleheads, there was one, like, two good solid seasons. Not even two. There was one uh, solid season. An and, incredible Elton Brand season. And then, and, <laughs> then, and then we had another, like, five years of shit. So, so yeah. It sucks because I try to find, like, information. Because I, I, I generally want to watch, like, older games, right? I want to see the history of a team. Because I do that with the Falcons, right? Uh, I watch some of the older games. But it's hard for me to find, like, consistent information on, like, older Clipper games because – it's just, I guess the fan base. I don't know. It's hard for me. I just I can't find it. Like I guess find of, it. Shouldn't. A lot of Clipper fans don't realize, but like Kawhi Leonard signing like a four year extension is nuts. If you watch the Clippers for the last twenty years, mm-hmm. like it's it's crazy that we're gotten to the point where we're that kind of franchise. So like I think like in in our hearts we could hold like some of these fun teams to like you know the eighteen nineteen team the Knuckleheads team and some of the early Lob City teams. Like, I loved watching Baron Davis and Blake Griffin play, even though on paper, like, the eye test even showed that it was eh, basketball. (laughs) But I enjoyed watching. Uh, Baron Davis was fun because it it brought that, like, I think he was the first player that, at least I remember, who was from L.A. Mm -hmm. He kind of understood the Clippers fans seemingly and he represented the Clippers in a way that I think a lot of people latched onto at that time like hey they got this young kid who looks fun and he's he's setting the world on fire and then you tune in and it's you know this sort of local legend is playing with him so I actually think that was a fun cool thing and like you know in a roundabout way who knows like maybe influence Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard to be like, hey, maybe this is a, a cool option for for guys like us who who grew up in this area and the Lakers aren't the only team you could play for, you know, so. And the Baron Davis years really showed when Donald Sterling was like officially like an asshole. Like that's, 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 I like, we all, I think like you always knew it, but like there wasn't like a whole lot of national coverage of like Donald Sterling being a total asshole. So it's it's something you had to find out like through like local papers or something like that. And when you're when I was a teenager, I wasn't looking at the local papers to figure out if my NBA owner was an asshole. So, but like as as you get older, you start seeing like Don Sterling barking at Baron Davis on the court, and then you start hearing more stuff. And then now I'm an adult, and it's like, oh, he he's a he's a racist asshole. Then then you're like, oh okay, you're like yeah, I'm glad we have Steve Ballmer, and uh, and I can see why Ballmer doesn't want the red jerseys. You see yeah. see how I brought it back there. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, looked so good. Uh, let's do a segment that I made up on the fly earlier this week. Um, it's gonna be hot and cold. We're gonna take we're gonna go through every single player on the NBA on the Clippers roster, and we're gonna have a hot take on a statistic they're gonna have. It just has to have a, a number to it. It doesn't have to be like something that's legit on the ESPN stat lines. It just has to be a number that you're hot about and a number that you're cold about in terms of that's that player. For example, if you listen to the pod, I, my hot take is I think John Wall's going to shoot 40% from the three-point line this year. Oh, I love it. It's, it's hot. It's super hot, hot, but I like it. If I were going to have a cold take on John Wall, Everyone's super hyped on him. I think he's going to play like 45 games this year. <laughs> so, and you know, and I mean, me and me and Jake have a bet that he'll buy me an authentic Clippers jersey if John Wall gets 40% from the three point line. And I told him, I'm like, hey, I'm just letting you know if John Wall goes two for four in the first game and then blows it and he's out for the rest of the year, I still get the jersey. 
<laughs> so, Fair enough. so yeah uh we'll start with john wall then uh jesse you want to go first john wall all right cold take i think he's gonna average probably since getting used to the system i think he's gonna average like four turnovers four to five turnovers a game that's a lot i think i just i just have this feeling it's gonna go wrong mm. Because we, we, we brought him on to be a playmaker to help distribute the ball. And I just, I feel like it's, I don't know, part of me feels like I should. Uh, Temporary expectations? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. This is why you're here. here. First, <laughs> is it your first conversation of the day, too? Yes. Oh, that's mine. That's mine. Uh, what's your hot take with John Wall? Hot take? Um, I'll go against yours, man. I, I think he's going to be more available than, than Reggie Jackson. Oh, that's hot. Some more I games. Like that. Okay. What are you claiming? Okay. Cold take. He's going to lead the team in assists. So I'll say he's going to lead the team with assists for basically about six and a half assists a game. Okay. Um, And my hot take is that he like a, a close to 50 40 90. He, I don't think he's going to hit 40, I don't think he's going to hit 90, but I think he's going to be let's say close to that. 30 35 from 3, 85 from the line and have his most efficient season ever. There you go. There you go. Let's move on to Kawhi Leonard. Oh. Okay. Right. I'll, I'll I'll let you go, go first, babe. I'll let you go first, babe. You want me to go first? Okay. Yeah. He is going to, okay, cold take. He's going to play 50 or less games. Okay. Um, I just don't foresee him playing more than 50 games. Um, so that's, that's my cold take. My hot take, though, is that he's going to have his highest scoring season ever. Oh, okay. Um, I want to say that's probably around 28 points a game like we could look up his career right in scoring yeah i'm gonna say 20 28 points per game for Kawhi Leonard Ooh. this season it's pretty that's pretty dope it's pretty dope what about you jesse i had one in my head and i just lost it i swear um do you want me I'm, to go first yeah go first i'm thinking sorry all right Kawhi Leonard will be second on the team in rebounds. That's my that that, that, that's that's my hot take. My cold take is everyone is saying that he's going to uh so this is gonna come off pretty hot because <laughs> of the, hot take. <laughs> but I guess I, I know like, I have two hot takes for Kawhi. Uh <laughs> But everyone is saying he's going to play no back-to-backs, but I think he's going to play like five back-to-backs this year. I, th- I think he's going to play the first back-to-back for sure. It's going to be a ruse. You know, play that first back-to-back, get people not, not talking about it. It's yeah. a good move. All right, so Michael Take. Sorry, I dream over right now. He's going to have the worst defensive, defensive efficiency defensive efficiency on the starting lineup. Oh, cool. Out, of everybody. Yeah. Uh, Out of everybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then my uh, my hot take, I think he's gonna have forty percent shooting from the three. Oh, okay, respect. 
Has he ever shot 40% from three? Yeah, he did. Uh, I think it was in San Antonio. Okay. All right, let's move on to Paul George. Jesse, you want to go first? Paul George? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he averages uh, six assists a game. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> And then you have a cold take, or is that your hot one? <laughs> uh, cold, uh, <laughs> uh, cold take, cold take. Um, he's probably gonna play less than fifty games. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. All right. My hot take: Kawhi Leonard plays more games than Paul George. That's spicy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cold take is he will be the leading scorer on the team. Because I, I think everything's setting up for him to be the leading scorer on the team, if especially quite doesn't play a lot of games. So he probably will do that. Uh, clean. My okay. My hot take: He makes uh, all defensive team. Oh, okay. George um, has his best defensive season in a long time because there's a lot of scoring on this team. Um, a lot of guys who are going to be looking to shoot the three ball and stuff like that. So I think he's going to be more locking in on assists and uh, playing hard defense. So I think he's going to win or he's going to be on the all defensive team this year. That's my hot take. My cold take, um, he will have another 40% from three season. Okay. Let's move on to Reggie Jackson. Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Hot take. He's going to – my hot take is that he's going to basically end up with – no, okay. He's going he's gonna to have his worst season in a while. That's my hot take. I okay. think his role is going to be shifting a lot. I think it's going to take a long time for him to find what his role is on this team. And we've seen Reggie at times get lost in the waters – you know, like when he first came to the team, he was terrible. The start of last season, he was super inefficient. I think we're kind of, I think we're in for another one of those Reggie seasons. By the end of the season, I think he'll figure it out. But I think statistically, this will probably be his worst season um, as a Clipper. That's my hot take. And um, my cold take would be that he will be the backup point guard. He will not start by the by uh, some point pretty quickly into the season. All right. My hot take is he will start more games than John Wall. Uh, I don't know. Just based on hype for John Wall, I think that's hot. But it, maybe some people are like, nah. That's- I think most people have him starting, but I, it's still a good hot take. I like it. Cold take, he will be the fourth leading scorer on the team. That's a hot take. I think that's the opposite of a cold take. I think that's a hot take. He was the leading scorer on the team last year. I know like there was not other people there, and he was basically the third option in the playoffs the year before. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, you know what? It would probably be Kawhi uh, or Paul George, and then Norman Powell, and then Reggie Jackson. I I as of right now you can maybe make the case that john wall would be in that spot too but i think reggie jackson could easily okay become the fourth leading scorer on the team but it's hot to you uh, <laughs> uh i think it's hot i think it's hot yeah you know i kind of have to lean with Tina on that he's gonna struggle at the beginning of the season pretty badly but i feel like for a hot take uh looking at his stats you know, before he took on a huge 
load this season, last season, he shot 43% from three. And, you know, I think he's going to go back to that. I think that's my hot take. I think he's going to be a 40, 40% shooter. I think he's going to adjust the role of being a catch and shot, catch and shoot. I agree with you, but I think his numbers aren't going to look as good by the end of the year because it's mm. going to be a struggle for him to find that. But by the end of the season, we're going to be saying, like, look at the last two months. The guy's been shooting 42% from three mm. or something crazy mm-hmm. and is on a just tear. I, I do think, like, when he has a defined role, he he's actually very good. When he, he thrives. When he, yeah. show, when he shows up and he knows what he's doing every night. I do think there will be this, like, is he the backup point guard? Is he technically the backup shooting guard because of whatever mm-hmm. reasons? You know, I don't think that's going to be the case. But, like, if they stagger John Wall and he's on the court with him, like, what's Reggie Jackson's role then, you know? Or is uh, Reggie Jackson going to be the primary ball handler when Paul George staggers and stuff? Like, I think, like, Reggie Jackson's still going to have to figure out by, like, December, like, what his role is on the team. So, like, when you say he might struggle, that, that, that could be the case. Uh, did you give us a cold take? No, I didn't, but I I couldn't really think of one. But I have to agree with Clayton. I think he's going to really struggle this season, finding where his role is in his team, and then the efficiency is going to drop with that. It, it makes a lot of sense. That's my concern about this whole situation with John Wall. All right, let's do Marcus Morris. <sighs> okay, right. hot take. He's the 11th man. I think that's a hot take because, uh, right. you know, he's been better than that. I, I, is that fair to say? I mean, I don't Yeah, I would say he. Uh, you know, I think, like, obviously he gets a lot of uh, criticism online and um, he's sort of in the ire of Clippers fans. But then all of a sudden, when a big games come around, the guys come through for us giant and uh, many times led the team in scoring and was kind of awesome last year and, and in the playoffs the year before, you know? So um, I have a lot of respect for him. I just think the role is not really there for him on this team as it has been in years past as the obvious small ball five or mm-hmm. the four, like Covington to me is a more versatile version of him, younger version of him. Um, I actually don't know if he's younger. Yeah, I think he is. I think he's a couple years younger than him. Um, so that, that would be my, uh, Either hot or cold take. I don't know. Hot take, <laughs> the 11th man. Um, cold, cold takes are hard because a cold take could be just like a really wrong take. But then or that it could, could be also like make it something that, that's obvious. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So um, I call it my cold take. Um, he's going to be the same old Marcus Morris and surprise everybody and put up some pretty solid numbers. Yeah. How about that? Uh, you got one, Jesse, or you want me to go? We'll take. Uh, I think he's going to struggle with that knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to have some. We're going to get some ambiguous tweets, and we're going to be like, "Does he want to be here?" Um, that's my cold take. Uh, hot take. Fuck, I can't really think of one for him. Okay, I got a question for you with Marcus Morris. A quick one. If the Clippers, which I don't expect this to happen, so let me just say that first of all, if the Clippers get out to a hot start, let's say they go. I don't know, 20 and five. Let's say they, they, they're red hot coming out, of, coming out of the gate. I could see them moving Morris or Batum maybe or somebody that we don't quite expect, not for somebody who's going to contribute this year, but for a future, like a dice roll on a young guy, maybe a pick 
something like that that helps us moving forward. But that's only if the team mm. gets off to like a really hot start. If they don't, which I don't expect really? them to, um, they'll probably stick with the depth and just kind of play it out. But I think if they're like killing teams and Marcus Morris isn't a part of it, um, then I think there's probably teams out there that would give you a little something for him. Nothing huge, but something that might give you some flexibility moving forward or something. I don't know. I, I do think like, even if it's not a hot start, but if they seem healthy and for the most part overall healthy, and I really think the healthiness is just like Kawhi and Paul George. Everyone else could kind of have lingering injuries, and I think they could overcome it. If it's January and the team looks generally healthy, I think they're going to like, you know, just like say, all right, you know what? We can move on now. I think they'll mm-hmm. be, we, we made it through a good portion of the season and everyone was healthy. And then trade deadlines in a month. Let's start, let's start putting him on the market. And then we'll see what we could get because at that, at that point, like even because like, do you want to hold on to him all year, especially if he's maybe getting frustrated because he still feels like he has something in the tank, but he's not playing as much and you want to have him frustrated in March or do you want to trade him in February? Because I, I I do think everyone personally, I think everyone has bought in except for probably Marcus Morris this off season. I, that's just my his role isn't his role isn't defined i mean yeah. it, it, like we like we i kind of outlined like it's him or nico and yeah. um nico has proven to be the more versatile fit especially in the regular season mm-hmm. um you know playoff wise marcus has done well man he's been a good yeah. playoff performer for the team but um i could see them and i don't really want them to do this but i could see them you know using brandon boston as a sweetener um mm-hmm. try and get somebody in the building that they like you know whether that's uh, i don't know this is just a random name i'm not even i don't think i would do this but let's just say a pj washington or you know some guy who maybe his value is a little down but Mm -hmm. you feel like there's some upside there he's young maybe he could grow with the team you know i Mm -hmm. think targeting that type of player and you could get that kind of guy if you include a brandon boston to sweeten the deal a little bit and there's always there's always gonna be unhappy players throughout the NBA, and you'll start hearing more about them toward the trade deadline, and then we'll be like, oh, okay, you because know, I I wouldn't be surprised if like you said like the that the Clippers got off to a hot start, or in my opinion, they just stay healthy, that they're like, all right, you know what, let's move on from it now, so we can build like the last three or four months with this new player that we're gonna have, or the lack of Morris, you know, it could be right. like a new player doesn't play, but like we have a lack of Morris now and like, what does that fit look like? Mm. You know? Um, so my hot take, if it's, I guess this is really hot. Uh, Marcus Morris is part of the playoff rotation next year. And he moved himself up in the rotation by the end of the season. Uh, if I have to put a number to that, he goes from, like you said, the 10th or 11th person to probably being like the fifth or sixth person, maybe the first person off the bench. Because if Kawhi is playing the four, maybe Marcus Morris is the guy you bring in to because he uh, he's a vet he's a vet that you could trust and he's the first mm-hmm. person off the bench, you know, for Kawhi every night. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, you you put him in the starting lineup. It's Powell's the first guy to go to the bench, mm-hmm. which means Luke Kennard is the first person to kick off the bench. Yeah, that's where I lose it, um, just because I like that sniper coming off my bench but 
I could see why you would go for that, and uh, it makes a lot of sense. So that, that could be the opening day starting lineup, I think. Marcus Morris could be, still be a part of it. Uh, cold take, and this is cold. Uh, he'll play the least amount of games in a Clippers jersey than anybody on the team, except for Preston, Musa, and I guess Boston. So everyone who's a rotation player, he'll play the least amount of games this year in a Clippers jersey. Including Amir Coffee. Including Amir Coffee, because Amir wow. Coffee, if Morris, are, moved, I like how those are opposite takes. Because <laughs> if, if, if Morris moves, gets traded, Amir Coffee moves into the rotation, in my opinion, and he'll eventually mm-hmm. wear. Because if if Morris gets traded with thirty games left in the season or so, and I don't think Morris is going to play the whole fifty first games, <laughs> so Amir uh, uh, Coffee will have played at least some of those first fifty games, and then he'll probably play the rest of those thirty, and then I think it will just be end up you know him having. 40 or 50 games in a Clippers uniform versus Marcus is like 40 in the Clippers uniform. And yep. So that's the way I look at it. Uh, zoo. That season of his career is incoming. Yep. I think, I think so too. I think, uh, I don't know if we're all just going to mutually agree on this. Like, yeah, the best season statistical season of his career. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, I want to see him. If, if this is either a hot take or cold take, I don't care. I think he should, and I think I have a feeling the team is going to let him take mid-range jumpers. How about that? Oh, wow. Expand his game a little bit. His shot's pretty. I like his shot. And I think from three, it's a, it's a tough ask, and they don't really need him to do that. But I could see him, you know, hitting those foul line jumpers. Like, to mm-hmm. me, that's a good shot that's open for him. And uh, his form looks good. His free throw shooting's not bad at all. I don't see why he can't take some some mid range jumpers. Mm. This is cold. This is gonna be cold because I don't think it matters. <laughs> but uh, Zoo averaged one point six assists last year, and his career average is one point one. He will average under one assist this year because I do feel like they're gonna feed him to score and not feed him to dish as much. Yeah. I, What's I his think... rebounding number gonna be? Uh, I honestly think I'm he's going to digits at least. Yeah, I think he, so. His career average is 6.5, but his total rebounds last year were 8.5. I think he could get around 10 point like one through. If he can hit 10, I mean, yeah. if he can hit 10, that would be huge for this team, man. They need rebounding everywhere they can. That's what, another reason I like Kawhi at the four. I like him being able to muscle over dudes and get boards, especially because mm-hmm. he's a little more athletic than a lot of guys that play that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. I was see Terrence Mann. Uh, okay, wow. Uh, this this one's. I'll go hot. All right, go, go hot. hot. Third leading scorer on the team. Oh, okay, that's cool. that's spicy. That is. All right. Third leading scorer on the team, and um, third or fourth highest guy in minute total. Oh, okay. And I think he's going to be. I think, like I said, I think Paul George is going to get the hardest assignment coming out every night like you know uh you're playing let's say uh uh who's got a good wing you know let's say let's say they're playing the celtics i think Mm -hmm. paul george is going to draw jason tatum okay as the game starts as the game progresses terrence Mann checks in for the rest of that game i think we're going to see a lot of terrence Mann on the best player guarding the best player on the other team 
And I just think his versatility and the way that he plays with PG and Kawhi, he's going to be in a lot of closing lineups that people don't expect. Um, so yeah, I, I'm expecting a big season for Terrence. Honestly, I, I think this is a year that he could make a, a really big leap into one of the five most important players on the team, um, because of his versatility. So that's, that's my hot and cold take, I guess. Hmm. Uh, Jesse, for some reason, I just feel like his minutes are going to drop. I just, I don't know why. I he, feel he, like he, he played a, sec- a lot of minutes. This, yeah. This last he has the second, second most minutes last year. Yeah, he played 28.6. And the season before that, I'm looking at stats, he played 18.9. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're going to see is, I feel like compared to that last season, comparing this roster to the 2021 roster, I think we have more depth. And I think I'm actually going to see a reduction of minutes to 15 per game. Mm-hmm. As for, I don't know, what is that? A hot take, cold take? What do, I don't even know what to put uh, just, just Just give a take. <laughs> just give yeah. a take and we'll figure out which one's which at the end. <laughs> All right. All right. He's going to play 15 minutes. But I also think he's going to be more efficient with passing the ball. Okay. And I feel like that he's always struggled with that. I figured he always struggles to make that decision. He always like sometimes hesitates, but we've seen a couple stretches when he has confidence in himself, he can make smart decisions to pass the ball. So I think we're going to see at least him average five assists. All right. So. I like that. So my hot take, he's going to shoot 40% from the three point line this year, for sure. I don't think he's yet to do that in his career. No. Wow. I, I do think this is the year he, he actually every year gets a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And I do think this year is going to have a little bit more confidence to do so. So him and John wall are going to be in the 40 club on the Clippers. Uh, so this my, is going to be like the 2020 Clippers who were the best three point shooting team of all time. I think you count um, percentage to. Yeah. Attempts. Well, I do think like, for example, because of volume, Reggie is always going to be like in the third, like mid thirties because of just volume. Like unless Jesse's take is right where he gets back in the forties. And just because of volume too, I believe like, you know, um, like Kawhi, I think might have a hard time reaching 40 and stuff like that. And, but I I do think like John, but that year when we were the best three point shooting team is because a lot of players played above their, their career totals and percentage. And I think we could get there again, you know, with yeah. like, you know, the gravity of all the other players. Didn't Marcus hit like 46 40, or something? Yeah, 46, 47 percent, like an yeah. insane number. And from the corners, he was like 70 percent. He was yeah. <laughs> he was like out of control. Um, but but yeah, wants- I mean, this, and this team is a better three point shooting team on paper. Absolutely. Ter- okay, so Terrence Mann, my cold take, even though, hmm. I feel like this doesn't come across as very spicy too, so I'm just gonna say it. Eventually in the season, Ty Lu will probably just get, I don't know, he's gonna get frustrated with Terrence Mann's play and start playing Amir Coffee more instead of Terrence. Because I feel like for whatever reason, whether it was Doc or Lou, whenever Terrence Mann was more inconsistent, he started playing more players more. And the only time that T- Terrence Mann's really been able to show off how good he is is when he's had to step up because players are missing time. Mm. But when the roster is full and we have everybody available, I feel like he's going to have a very short leash with Terrence Mann and he's going to start giving Mayor Coffee more minutes. So that, that, that'll be my Mayor Coffee. I, this segment's going a lot longer than I thought. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll just do a couple more players and then maybe someday down the line we'll do you know because i guess we don't have to do musa and all of them uh yeah uh, unless clayton Aaron wants to come back right yeah, well, Clay, I don't know. This 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 was probably the worst hour of Clayton's life. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> Saturday afternoon talking about my favorite basketball team. I love okay. it. So uh, we'll do we'll do a few more. Uh, Luke Kennard. Let's do Luke, Luke Kennard. Kennard. Okay, I think Luke Kennard this season is going to match his last season, but on less minutes and less everything. Like I think he's basically going to have the same season. Oh, nice. But- with less minutes so i think he's going to be right around 10 points i think he's going to be where was he from three he was you know uh 40 percent from three or whatever um yeah that that's where was he yeah yeah he was oh he was 45 44.9 so um it'll probably be a little lower than that but i i want i would think he can keep up six threes on he he played 27.4 minutes a game last season that seems high to me yeah um so i think he's probably gonna be closer to 22 minutes something like that and but still be able to put up uh 11 points actually um on six threes a game i i, I don't see why he can't keep that up you What's know your- i i don't feel that the same way because i felt when we saw norman powell get interjected into the lineup he started getting timid and he started passing and wasn't shooting the rock like he should. Yep. And I feel like that's why I feel like his three-point attempts are going to actually drop. And see, that's why my version of the team has Norman Powell starting and Luke Kennard mm. coming off the bench because I want to separate those two guys. Because to mm. me, they are the two clearest shooting guards on the team. Those are two guys that I'm like, I know exactly what position you are. You're a two-guard. Mm. You know, Paul George, Kawhi, um, even Terrence batum they're positionless players just just put them in the lineup who cares where they're gonna do something (laughs) um you know guys like canard and and powell i think you you need to give them a more clearly defined role and so that's why my version of the team again kind of has those guys separated but you're right like if powell isn't starting and he's coming off the bench and luke canard's gonna have to fight for shot attempts he his his numbers are gonna plummet I think his efficiency will be there for definitely when he comes to the three-point shot. Then yeah, 45 is a tough one to repeat, but oh, if he yeah. can obviously be over 40 again, yeah, I mean. Which yeah. he can all day. Is. So I don't think, for me, I think his three-point efficiency will stay the same, but his attempt will drop. My, my cold take would probably be he's going to average the, the highest three-point percentage on the team. Uh, hot take. Uh, all NBA defensive team. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I honestly, I honestly feel against Donovan Mitchell. Come on, he's locking down Steph Curry. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't have a like a like a super hot take uh, unless like we're just gonna go back to the bag of like he's gonna play more minutes than we expect or something like that. Like, there's not really something super hot that doesn't yeah. apply to everybody I mean, else on the team. We all agree, like twenty-seven and a half minutes. That's yeah. that's not in Luke Kennard's future. Yeah, like right a, hot, a hot take would be he still plays twenty. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, we could do Amir Coffee if we. Uh, my my I, hot take, my my just quit my take with Amir Coffee is that he will be the guy. I said this earlier. He will be the guy who is inserted 
um, on rest days or injury days. And he's just the most plug and play player on the team. So if, if Paul George is sitting, I think he'll start for Paul George. If Terrence Mann is out for an injury, I think he'll take Terrence Mann's spot. If Kawhi Leonard sits out, he'll go in his spot. I mean, even in the playoffs, we saw early in his career when Kawhi went down, they went to coffee at times. So, um, yeah, that I think there's a role for him on this team. It's just not going to be every day. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Jesse, have anything about your coffee before? No, I feel like I'm feeling like I'm missing an important player. We we need to do one more. Well, there's two oh. more guys really. Um, oh. well, we well, one big Rocco. one is Covington. Yeah, I was gonna say Rocco. Oh, okay. uh, uh, hot take: If we do not do the Kawhi at the four, uh, Rocco will be starting more games than the other two fours on our team. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if that's super hot. Maybe with more. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Cold take, and this doesn't really apply to the season. Rocco is going to hold that NBA three point record that he has on our team for the next 20 years. <laughs> was it 11? Yeah, it was 11 three pointers in a game, I believe. I always That's thought it would be impressive. like Luke or something, but like I didn't realize how hard for anyone for someone to beat that record on our team. And who had just, it before? Was it was it Reddick? Yeah, might have been Reddick or Pratikowski. One of those two. Yeah, I think it's I think it was Reddick and I think it was like eight. Yeah. I don't think like, it was like he beat it by a few. Yeah. Um, I think Clay Thompson has the most ever in a game, twelve. Something like that, yeah. If I'm not mistaken. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's that's not... gonna be a tough one to beat. And it was a weird game, if you remember. It was versus the Bucks. There's a bunch yeah. of dudes sitting. The, the dude just started chucking. It was awesome. The, those are those were my favorite games last year, where, or not last year, just in general. In like when we don't play our top guys, and you get to see the players that you don't normally get to see play. The yeah. only issue is that last year in December, where I was like, "Cool, we get to see some players we didn't get to see play." It just happened to be like that for the next four months, and it became very exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay, and then we have just you. You can just say one thing about these two guys. It's right. Brandon Boston and Jason Preston. Do you just, think? Both of those guys are going to be playing in the G League a lot because Brandon Boston, I definitely think so. I don't see a spot for him on this roster other than injuries. Um, Jason Preston, I do see a role for because I think that John Wall is going to sit out a lot. And so I don't see why they wouldn't try Jason Preston as the backup guard. I know that probably people would say, well, you just put Terrence Mann there. I don't, again, I kind of like Terrence Mann at the three. So I would love to see Jason Preston get spot chances to be the backup guard on this team. And I think it's a possibility, but I could be wrong. Let me, let me ask you this. If, if Xavier Moon was on our, uh, was a two-way player on this team, would you play Preston over Xavier Moon? Yes. Okay. Uh, Jesse, what's, uh, what's your uh, Preston Boston take? I do not see him playing at all. Neither. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to see him play though, um, but I just don't see it happening. So you I, think you think on the John Wall rest days? I think Terrence Mann's going to do point those. guard by committee type thing. Uh, I, I think just... Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, and especially like on some of those rest days, uh, we'll have Paul George maybe still playing one of those games or something like that. They'll just let him handle the rock. Um, yeah, I. I think they can. Like he's under contract, might as well use the roster spot. But I wouldn't even be surprised if they just 
brought Brandon Boston, just gave Brandon Boston more minutes and just rocked no point guards that day. Especially, like, there will be one game this year where Reggie and John Wall are not on the court. There will probably be there will be one game where and yeah they'll probably just go all wings. Preston might play, but I still if they lose both those guys, you have to bring up Jason Preston. Right, like like you like what is the point of him on this team if not like what are we doing here? You know, Um, I think I do think they'll just there'll be that random day where they're just resting both for whatever reason. Like this the schedule they they didn't plan this ahead of time and they told both they're resting that day. If we're in a comfortable if we're in a comfortable position going into the playoffs where we know where we're gonna be placed in, I think Jason Preston's gonna get some minutes there. Okay. Right. End of the seat. Yeah. You know, I, I do think though they're gonna be fighting for seeding all year. I don't foresee them coasting into the one seed or something like that. Mm. Um, and I'm a big, big believer, big believer in home court advantage. So I really want this team to get a top three seed. To me, that's super important. Do you feel either one of them could win the G League MVP though? Brandon Boston could. Yeah, I think Brandon Boston could too. And I honestly won't. think he that... won't because the G League MVP is not typically that type of player. Like it'll usually go to like a big who kind of dominates his position, but like Musa? isn't Musa's got it. It's it's more that type of player. I think that. Um, puts out big numbers in the G League. Like, who's the guy? Um, God, he he won he won G League Player of the Year one year. Um, he was on. Einstein? No, uh, uh, yeah. um, no. The the big we had. He he really didn't play for the Clippers much at all. Um, he was like he was very Trez like. Um, uh, we had Fee, and then no. we had um, uh, Angel Delgado. No, he put up some good numbers though. Yeah. Oh, Mott, Mott. Yeah. Mott, he won, I think, G League Player of the Year one at one year. Um, so like it's more those type of guys, and like Brandon Boston is just like not efficient at all. Um, and that that's the one thing that worries me, has worried me about him. Um, love the talent, love the mindset, love the way he plays, but the numbers just aren't there. I mean, you know, his college numbers are terrible as bad as it gets and then even the the glimpses we saw when you look at the numbers all together it's like man you you got to just put the ball in the hoop more you know it has to go in more your game can look pretty we can enjoy it but it's got to go in the hoop more so i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if we if we make a deal halfway through the season for like morris and we throw a couple other pieces in there and we happen to still have boston that he actually gets rotation minutes this year not a lot but like you know a few minutes there and there Ty Lue likes him. You can yeah, tell. He does. You can tell Ty Lue likes him. Uh, so that was the LA Clips Forum. My name is Brian Andrew. Thank you, Clayton, for coming on. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever you find our podcast. You can find us on Twitter at LA Clips Forum. Is there anything you'd like to promote, Clayton? Uh, yeah, just the the alternates. You can find it with any podcast. Uh platform or whatever they call them these days and uh also youtube youtube.com slash the alternates and uh my band touche amore will be on tour this fall opening up for the menzingers uh so touche amore.com for that and uh, anyone local my band entry uh playing in uh september 22nd with the unseen so for the street punk fans out there it's gonna be a fun local show here there you go 
Uh, uh, yeah, something to say, Jesse. I can never pronounce touche. I always, t- I always pronounce it touche amore. I don't know why. So but, it's yeah, the accent on the e goes both ways. Yeah. Touche amore. I saw you guys uh, play open up for thrice. So. Oh, thank really you. Yeah, I'm actually uh, right before that men's years tour. We're going to be opening up for them again in Europe. Um, oh, nice, awesome. So, yeah, it should should be a good time. And uh, yeah, if you uh, if you're a basketball fan and you're coming out to a show, please uh, get in touch. I always enjoy, you know, talking talking some ball. Do you, do you ever get to the point where you're supposed to go on, but someone's got a really good NBA <laughs> conversation? You're like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, <laughs> or times like holding my computer or my phone. Until like I'm literally walking onto the stage like to close it or put it behind my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the AirPod on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially I'm gonna be on tour uh, in Europe during the World Series. Um, and if my Dodgers make it, it's gonna be bad for my mental health because I'm gonna be staying up till seven in the morning watching uh, baseball yeah. every day. But um, uh, some of the thrice guys uh, are are big baseball fans too. So we've made a pact. If the Dodgers make it, we gotta. We gotta figure out a way to stay up all night. Okay. <laughs> well, uh for my my uh hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. What baseball team you for? Are you for the Angels or something? No. I ever for the Padres. You for the Padres? Yeah. About oh, uh about like twelve, thirteen years strong now. What a great run, huh? Uh if they're not collapsing in August, are you even <laughs> are you even enjoying the Padres season? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start a Patreon next month. Um, we're going to, it's going to be just one $3 tier. Uh, we're going to have fancy basketball. We're going to have two extra pods. We're going to have people bringing uh, questions. I'm even open to us doing video questions so people could actually hear their voices on our pod. And, uh, and if we get so many of them, maybe we'll do an extra pod every month so we can answer everybody's questions. Uh, but yeah, that will be our Patreon for the most part. Is there anything I forgot about the page Patreon plug, Jesse? No, I think you hit everything. I think I hit everything. Yeah. There's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Signals here. Lucy. <laughs> now I have to hit this out. Lucy. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if I get through this with, uh, while she's pissed off at the door. Uh... <laughs> you got to leave it in. You got to leave it in. <laughs> got to leave it in. She saved you a couple times. Remember that? Yeah, she has. Well, I was about to say some stupid shit, and she's like... <laughs> Kyrie's still a top five player, and she stopped you right there. Get in the tracks, dude. <laughs> I didn't say top five. I said top 20. All right? Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that was our pod. <laughs> uh, thank you for everybody who uh, listened to the jingle and still stayed for the pod, and thank you for everyone joining us. You could be doing anything with your time, but you're spending it with us. And thank you, Trent, for the outro, and we're out. Later. Thank you for joining Brian Andrew and Jesse Sandoval for this episode of LA Clips Forum. For all the over and backs, loose balls, clear paths, and tip-ins, catch LA Clips Forum every week. The podcast for fans, by fans. Clipper Nation, we'll catch you on the rebound. Oh yeah.